Well, good morning, everybody, to Encounter Church Online. It's good to be worshiping together, isn't it? Uh, this morning, I want to start off with an acknowledgement that we are all facing the same storm, but we're experiencing that storm differently, and your story matters. And so what I'd like to do this morning is invite you to a special survey at EncounterChurch.org slash survey. Uh, I want to invite you to that survey because um, we want to know as staff and church leadership how best we uh, can do life together. What ministries are helping you and effective for you, especially as we prepare to reopen worship, live worship here at church on the weekends. Uh, we want to know how we can do that. So again, take a few minutes and visit that link below because we want to know how we can best do life together. The other important announcement I want to make is to say that uh, we're actually uh, posting all of our content around the series um, at a special website. It's EncounterChurch.org slash The Waiting Room, which is the name of our brand new series that we're kicking off today. Day. And for the first time ever, we actually have a kid's companion that's coming alongside within that. So uh, it's got uh, some, some fun games and some crafts to do within that companion. It's a quick printout, and the kids can do that while you're worshiping and learning and growing during this time, this message together. We also have small group questions and reflection questions, again, at EncounterChurch.org slash The Waiting Room, the name of our brand new series. We're kicking it off today where we're talking about what it means to when you're forced uh, to wait, when you refuse to wait, when you're choosing to wait, and then when you're just plain tired of the wait. You see, the idea behind the series is that we live in a world of frozen dinners, instant coffee, and powdered orange juice. And we don't like it, but what we don't like even more is waiting, and so we tolerate it, we put up with it. So this morning, we're going to play a fun game. At least it's going to be fun for me watching how this, uh, this plays out. The, the name of this fun game is How Patient Are You Really? And these are the rules of the game. is that I'm going to put out a scenario and I'm going to ask you how long it would take you to respond with some kind of action. And I want you to say it out loud in minutes or seconds so the, for the benefit of those nearby or you can put it in the comment section below. How long you would wait to respond with some kind of action, whether it's honking your horn, whether it's standing up and walking out or saying something. All right, so you got the rules of the game. This is the, this is the first scenario. You're stuck behind a car that stopped at a green light. How long do you wait some researchers asked that question. They found the average wait time is 50 seconds. So this is the big question. How patient are you really? Okay, the next scenario is you're in line at Starbucks. How long do you wait? Say it out loud. The researchers found in that scenario that the average wait time is a full seven minutes. Okay, this is the last one. This is, this is the, the big finale. It's kind of a dangerous question, but I am going to ask for honesty. The last scenario is how long do you wait for your partner to finish getting ready? Say it out loud. The average wait time is 21 minutes before you say something. How patient are you really? And see, I don't think you're probably that, all that patient, even those times. And I get it. I get it because I don't like to wait for anything either. 
So I had this experience a little while ago. I was talking to my dad, and he was sharing a, a hobby of his uh, back when he was in college and soon after. And, uh, and he shared, he, he loved taking pictures of, of photography. And he would, it was a, back then, it was a very, very mechanical process. As a mechanical camera, you'd load up the film, you'd kind of like wind it all up, right? You'd take all your pictures, and then you'd give them these various chemical baths to develop it, and then to stop it, to finish uh, the work, or maybe to enlarge it. And he was kind of explaining this process, and honestly, I didn't get most of it. What I did get out of it is a very tedious and detailed, painstaking, long process photography and developing your own film. Now, my generation, of course, we're like the digital cameras. We'll take a picture and they go up in a cloud somewhere. But it's interesting, my seven-year-old started liking uh, to take pictures, but he didn't want to wait on mom and dad to, to print out the pictures that he was taking with the digital camera. No, no, he wanted one of these. And some of you know because they were popular for a while and then you got to play with them. So we found one on, on clearance there and gave it to them for Christmas or birthday or something like that. And it's just like, a, like an instant camera, right? Uh, Instax and how it works. You kind of pop out the lens here and let's see if we got any film in here. All right. And then so you wait for the little light to turn on. I think you got to adjust it to the right setting and you'd kind of take a picture. And uh, if there was any film, it would go ahead and print out at the top here. And of course, we don't have any of that because we use it all immediately. And that's the point of the instant camera is that it prints out the picture so he doesn't have to wait even a few minutes. He has it right there in his hands already. How patient are you in the waiting is what we're going to ask this morning. Actually, more precisely, we're going to ask this simple question is, what should you do when you are forced to wait? That's the question we ask, but we don't ask it alone. It's the question that we ask, and we go to the Bible and we hear these stories of God's people asking some of the same questions that we're asking here today. What do we do when we're stuck? What do we do in the waiting? Is this all just plain wasted time? I don't think it is. And so I invite you to turn to the book of, uh, of Habakkuk. If uh, you don't know where Habakkuk is, that's fine. Like most people, you may not know where it is. Uh, Habakkuk is a minor prophet, which means that he hasn't quite been elevated to the major leagues yet. That's a joke. That's a dad humor. You know, it's my birthday today, so I'm going to get away with a few of those. Um, by the way, my son, he said uh, this morning when I was taking his camera, he's like, Dad, even if it prints off a picture, you don't have to pay me back because it's your birthday. And I'm like, I appreciate all that you've done for me. Okay, Habakkuk 1 verse 1, let's just start it off, and it says the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now before we even share, want to share any context on this at all, I just wanted to kind of point out that some of the names mean something. See, typically what you have in the story of God in the Old Testament is that you have the job or the role of a prophet is to speak on behalf of God. And so God would give a word to you, and then you would share that word with some other people. Habakkuk is unique in the biblical landscape because Habakkuk doesn't share a word from God to the people. He does just the opposite of that. He inverts it. He shares a word from the people to God. And so the book of Habakkuk is just three chapters long. That's actually why it's called a minor prophet, just because it's, it's very short. Habakkuk sees all this junk that's happening around him, and he speaks to God on behalf of the people. So let's finish it off. Oh, oh in his name, uh, his name, Habakkuk, it's a significant name. Names in the Old Testament oftentimes meant a lot of uh, unique things, and it's critical in the role that they played. And so the name Habakkuk means to hug. It means to embrace. 
Even more than that, it means to like, like clinch or like hang on to something. The picture that I want you to have is that when I was 15 years old and I'm learning how to drive and I'm barreling along the streets of suburban Jenison in West Michigan and my mom is in the passenger side seat and we're, we're barreling along these suburban streets going to, going to blazing 20 miles an hour. But, but you wouldn't know it by looking at my mom because she's over there in the passenger side seat and she's like, like, like hanging on for dear life to the armrest and that like flippy down hanging like, like, like thing, you know? And she's like just like white knuckling it all the way. That's, that's a Habak hug. <laughs> that's what we're calling that. That's when, you're, when you're clinching onto something, when you're hanging on, when you're white knuckling it, that's Habakkuk. That's what his name means. And that's going to be important when we see the kind of scenario in the world that Habakkuk lived in. So in verse 2, this is what we have. We have him saying up to God, How long, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or you cry out to you, violence. But you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. How long? He's asking that question. He's asking the question that I think maybe a lot of you have asked. I'm looking around and I'm going, I I don't understand what, what all the injustice is for. So in Habakkuk's day, He's looking around and he knew there was a king, a good king that he remembers in his time. A king named Josiah who became king when he was very, very young, just eight years old. And he was such a good king, he ruled with with integrity and honesty and transparency and most of all, faithfulness to God. But now Habakkuk was looking around and he's going, what happened to that? He's looking around, he's seeing corruption, he's seeing bribery. Specifically, we find out in the book of Habakkuk that what he looked at when he, when he looked around was wealthy landowners who were manipulating the judicial system. And so the only justice that you could get was the justice that you could buy. And he's going, how long do we have to put up with it? I think that's an important question to ask. Earlier on, as some of us, many of us, hopefully followed some of the Ahmed Arbery uh, tragedy and we look at around at injustice and we see it unfolding and we ask, how long? God, I'm wondering when you're going to step in and when you're going to do something. God, I wonder how long. And some of you are wondering that right now. How long? God, I, I, I wonder I wonder if, if there's going to be a job for me to return to when the furlough is done. Or God, I'm a, I'm a graduating college student and in the world that I'm graduating into, I wonder if I'm ever going to be able to get a job in my field. I wonder if, if I'm ever going to get one of those fancy jobs with, with, the, with the benefits, you know, whatever those are. God, I wonder, how long am I going to be stuck waiting here? Some of you are wondering, relationally, how long your marriage can hold up in quarantine times, or if there's going to be something worth saving at the end of it all, God, I, I wonder. And listen, to anybody wondering, a couple things to say. The first one is that that's encouraged. 
I think one of the tragedies in the Christian faith is that sometimes we forget that God actually wants us. God actually encourages us to wonder these things out loud. In fact, God gave us the entire book of the Psalms, a song book, 150 chapters long. It just highlights all the, the wonderings of God's people. And God's saying, you don't know what to say? Just go, uh, go ahead and open a, a, a few of these. Go ahead and open Psalm 13. God, how long will you hide your face from me? God's saying, I'm going to give you the words to wonder out loud. And so that's what we're doing. That's the first thing, you can wonder. But the second thing is you wonder, but you don't wander. I love that Habakkuk is saying these things. Remember Habakkuk's name, the definition of his name. It means to hug. It means to embrace. And he's to white knuckle it, to clench your fist, to wrap your arms around, to hang on for dear life. And that's what he's doing. He sees the injustice all around him. He wonders how long, but he does it before the presence of God, hanging on to God, Habakkuk hugging on to God. You can wonder. You should wonder. But don't wander off. There's nothing else for you there. Wait on God to provide the answers. And in the waiting, listen to this in chapter 2, in the waiting, he has something for, there, for you there too. Listen to how chapter 2 starts. It begins with Habakkuk saying, okay, resolution time. I will stand my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Now, I love that phrase when he says rampart. I had to look it up too. Maybe you don't know. Uh, but, but the ramparts is like the top of a wall. It's important because the ramparts where you could stand on the wall and you could look out and you could see outside of the city. You could see whatever threats or invaders are coming. But you could also turn around on the wall and look down and see within the city to check on the status and to check on the welfare of the city on the other side internally. What Habakkuk does, he stations himself with the best view possible to see what God is up to. I will look to see you, he says. What do you say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint? And then the Lord replied, listen, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Write it down. That's important. I, I know some people that write down all of their prayer requests in a journal. And then when God answers a prayer, they go back and they write down the answered prayers. And what they have at the end of all of that is a compiled book of God's personal faithfulness to them. We say around here that a dull pencil beats a sharp mind in remembering the truths that God tells you. A dull pencil also beats a sharp mind in remembering God's faithfulness throughout your many years that he gives you. Verse 3. There's even more yet. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting on that appointed time, that full time, the ripe time. The Hebrew word that the author here uses, Habakkuk, is the appointed time is the Moed time. And it just doesn't mean that there's a time set on a Google calendar somewhere, an appointment that God will keep. The appointed time means when the time is right. The image that I think he's, he's asking you to, to pull up is a farmer or maybe a vineyard owner who's got grapes growing on the vine and you'd ask him, when... When is harvest time? And he wouldn't give you a, a specific date. He would just say when the grapes are full. 
and ripe and ready. But, but when is that? Is that going to come? Of course it's going to come. It comes every year, and I can't tell you now. It's still filling, like air filling up a mattress. It's not time yet. Even though he delays, he's not denying. God's delays are not God's denials. I think one of the areas in life where we need to hear that most is in relationships. If you've got a relationship, and I hope you do, with a, with a friend or coworker, or somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, you probably write their name down, and I hope you do, in that prayer journal and pray for them every single day to come into this saving faith, to come into this purpose-driven knowing of why God made you and who God made you. And you pray for them again and again and again, and you wonder, not wondering now, but you wonder, God, when are you going to bring them into the knowledge of this faith, God? When? And God says it isn't time yet. It isn't Moed. It isn't, it's still filling. I think the next one, relationally, that God gives you is, is in marriage struggles. And you might have this quarantine time of struggling, worrying. God, how am I going to do this? When are you going to make things better? And he's saying it's not time yet. It's still filling. And the last one is just, when I talk to uh, some of the single folks around here at Encounter, and many of them, sometimes they just really, really want to be in a relationship, and they would settle for the wrong kind of relationship rather than waiting on the right one. And you just need to hear God say that your time isn't now yet. Single is still a whole number. If you can't be complete without somebody, you will not find completion with someone. It's not time, it's still filling. The time isn't ripe yet. And you need to hear now, you need to hear that God's time is still coming. That if it's not God's timing, you can't force it. If it is God's time, and when it is God's time, you can't stop it. So encouraging. But he's not done yet. What do we do? I made them all start with W's to make it a little bit easier for us. When we're forced to wait, what do we do? We wonder, but we don't wander. When we're forced to wait, we also wait for the fullness of time, the appointed time, the ripe time. And lastly, and this is probably the hardest one, and I'd argue too, it's the most important one, is that we worship through the waiting. Habakkuk is just three chapters long, and listen to how he begins the third chapter. It's going to get a little weird. Hang with me here. Chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shijonath. If you're in a Bible, reading the Bible in a year, like a reading program, this is the kind of thing that you just skip over right away. Oh, I don't want to do that this morning. I want, to, I want to highlight that word that we'd otherwise just skip over because I think it's hugely important. A shijonith, we had to look it up. It's a musical term. A shijonith is a, is a particular style or genre of music. It isn't a, it isn't a slow love song. No, no, no. It, it's, it's noted, it's marked by the rapid changes to rhythm and time. It's like jazz, it's like hip hip-hop. In his context, a shijioneth is like, is like a praise and a worship song. It goes quiet, it goes, it goes slow, it gets loud, it gets fast. These are songs that they would use to sing and even dance before God. 
And I think why in the world he sees no resolution to the things that he is struggling with, to his wonderings before God. He sees no resolution whatsoever, but yet he goes to God in worship, singing and dancing. Listen to some of the very last words of of Habakkuk the prophet in verse 17. He writes that though the, the fig tree does not bud And there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I have not seen his faithfulness executed in my life yet. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I am still struggling Anxiety and depression are just right outside and they're creeping in. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I haven't seen the resolution. Yet, I will rejoice. I will worship in the waiting church. I think this is so important because some of your worship in the waiting is going to be some of the most pure worship that you could ever offer God. It's just an observation that I see in my own life, and so I just encourage you to examine your heart to see if it's in there too. Is that isn't it true that sometimes we mistake and we confuse the what and the who of God? We worship God for what he has done. God, you have been so generous. You have been so kind. You have shown up in so many circumstances. I praise you for what you have done. And God says, don't praise me. Praise me for what I have done. Praise me for who I am. But I'm telling you, if you praise him before the provision, it will be a pure kind of worship because you have no what to worship him for. You only have the who of God's heart. And God says, that's enough, isn't it? Worship me for who I am, even apart from what I have done or what I will do. I just want to leave you, church, with a picture this week. Earlier on, I I opened with that instant camera that I said. But even before that, the mechanical kind of cameras. And some of you have that hobby, don't you, of photography? Well, it strikes me in talking to my dad about his hobby that almost this entire process of developing a roll of film happens in the dark. From the time that the film is loaded into the camera and the photographer would carry it around and one at a time, take a picture, one at a time. It's encased in darkness. In fact, if you'd open it up, you'd overexpose the film. And so it's, it's kept hidden. And you give it one chemical bath after another to develop it and to stop it, to hold it or to expand it. It all happens in a dark room. And so maybe your waiting room is a dark room. And if you're looking around and darkness is all around you, know that God has not left you. He is still with you. In fact, he's developing you. And it happens in the dark. Some of the best picture in the history of the world that were developed in the dark. And your life too is developing in the dark. Worship him in the waiting. Wait on his full appointed time. Wonder if you need to out loud 
but not wandering, hanging on, back hugging onto God's neck, especially now in the waiting. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, a lot of us right now, we've got wonderings, spaces and relationships and job curiosities and financial worries that we just don't know about. So God, we're, we're asking you, Spirit, to help us turn those things over to you as we wonder about them out loud, as we write them down in a journal. But God, give us the courage to hang on around your neck, to not wander off on our own, that even though it's in the dark, Lord, you're still developing, you still haven't left us, you're working on us even now, especially now. I'll pray for somebody that needs to send a, a note in to have somebody else pray so that they know. God, give them the courage to reach out, to ask for help, to ask for prayer, to know that we are not doing life alone, but in community. Jesus, you talked a lot about your hour, your time. We know that you're not late. We may be early but there are no loose threads under your control and your providence. Jesus, we pray all these things in your resurrected name, in your time.